السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد و نصلی علی رسوله الكریم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم رب اشرح لي صدری و یسر لي امری واحلل عقدتا من لسانی یفقه قولی ربنا زدنا علما There were a couple of questions from the last lesson that we had learned. One question was about the salah. That we learned that in the hadith that Aisha radiallahu anha, she was praying and her sister came and she asked her what was going on and she pointed to the sky and then later on she also said, Subhanallah. So if a person is praying and they sneeze, can they say Alhamdulillah? Yes, they can. Why? Because the words Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, they are said in the salah. Okay, they are part of the words that are said in the salah. But if the person standing next to you sneezes and they say Alhamdulillah, then you don't say Yarhamukillah. Why? Because Yarhamukillah is not something that is said in the salah. So Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, these are the words of salah. But Yarhamukillah is not. So that was one question. Another question was about the saliva of a human being. Because earlier we learned that if a person drinks from a vessel or they spit out water, so that is not impure. So is it only for Muslims or it's also for non-Muslims? Both. Okay? Because the human saliva is something that is tahir. It is something that is clean. So if, for example, there is a non-Muslim who has you know, drank from a cup, Is that cup impure then? Is that impure? No. Because sometimes it happens in Muslim households that if there's ever non-Muslim guests who have come in and they drink or they eat in certain dishes, then it's as though they have to be sterilized. They wash it ten times or nobody touch it, nobody even accidentally drink from it. It's such a big deal. So remember, it's not a big deal. But if you know that they have eaten something that is haram, then it's quite possible that when they've been drinking or when they've been eating, what was in their mouth has also come out into the vessel, has contaminated the water or the drink or the vessel. Then in that case, you will wash it thoroughly. And even then, you don't have to go to a great length into washing the vessel. When it comes to a dog, then we learn that you have to wash how many times? Seven, right? And also with the mud. But when it comes to human beings, it does not matter. Okay, just wash it like you would normally wash dishes. Because if that was not the case, then you would not be allowed to eat at any restaurant over here. Okay, so have this uh, sukoon in your heart the next time somebody drinks from your cup, inshallah. Okay, let's continue. Bab man madmada wastanshaqa min gharfatin wahida. Man who madmada, he rinsed his mouth, wastanshaqa, And he also blew his nose min غَرْفَةٍ wahida from a single handful of water. Meaning a person took a handful of water and with that same handful, he rinsed his mouth and he also sniffed water up into his nose. Is that permissible or do you have to do both of them separately? Like with a separate handful, you wash your mouth. With a separate handful, you sniff water up your nose. No, it can be done with the same handful. It is permissible. What's the evidence? حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا خالد بن عبد الله قال حدثنا عمرو بن يحيى عن أبيه عن عبد الله بن زيد أنه that عبد الله بن زيد he أفرغ he poured 
minal inai from a vessel ala yadayhi on his hands faghasalahuma then he washed both his hands thumma then ghasala he washed aw madmada or he rinsed his mouth wastanshaqa and he also sniffed water up his nose min kaffatin wahida from a single from one handful of water fafa'ala dhalika thalathan and he did this how many times three times faghasala yadayhi then he washed his hands ila almirfaqain to the elbows marratain marratain two times each meaning he washed his arms twice wa masaha bi ra'sihi and he wiped his head ma aqbala wa ma adbara what is at the front and what is at the back meaning the entire head from front to back wa ghasala rijlayhi and he washed his feet ila al-ka'bayn up to the ankles thumma qala and then he said hakadha like this is wudu' rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this is how the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam performed wudu' so we see here that with the same handful of water he cleaned his mouth as well as his nose so a part of it into the mouth and a part of it sniffed up into the nose and we see that over here it's mentioned that thumma ghasala aw madmada wastanchaqa min kaffatin wahida fa fa'ala dhalika thalathan right three times it did this act so we see that it is something difficult to do isn't it with the same handful you put part of it in your mouth and a part of it into your nose very little water is used but it is it is possible and this is also sunnah actually it becomes easier in fact that you take the same handful of water part of it into your mouth part of it into your nose and with your left hand you clean your nose so it becomes easy then eventually bab mashir ra'si marratan wiping the head once meaning when a person is wiping the head in wudu it should only be wiped once more than once is not allowed it's not even musnoon it's not even mustahab okay حدثنا سليمان بن حرب قال حدثنا وهيب قال حدثنا عمرو بن يحيى عن ابيه قال شهدت he said that i witnessed عمر ابن ابي حسن that he سأل عبد الله ابن زيد he asked عبد الله ابن زيد عن وضوء النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فدعا so he called meaning he asked for بتور من ماء تور is a small vessel so he asked for a tawr of water to be brought fatawadda lahum and then he performed wudu for them meaning in front of them so that they could see how the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam performed wudu how did he do it fakafa so he poured ala yadayhi upon both his hands meaning some water and then faghasalahuma thalathan and he washed them both three times thumma adkhala yadahu fil ina after washing the hands then he entered the hand into the container famadmada then he rinsed his mouth wastanshaqa wastanthara he sniffed water up his nose and he also blew his nose salasan three times bisalathi gharafatin mimma with three handfuls of water in the previous hadith three handfuls of have not been mentioned only one handful so with the same one handful you can do this three times okay and you can also do this with three handfuls ثم ادخل يده في الاناء then he entered his hand into the container فغسل وجهه ثلاثا and then he washed his face three times ثم ادخل يده في الاناء then again he entered the hand into the container فغسل يديه الى المرفقين مرتين مرتين he washed his arms up to the elbows twice each ثم ادخل يده في الاناء again فمسح براسه then he wiped his head what does it mean that in order to wipe the head you have to wash your hands separately 
Okay, in order to wipe the head, you have to wash your hands separately. So what that means is that after washing the arms, you have to wet your hands again, even though they may be wet from before. Because the mush of the head is a separate act. Okay, it's a separate act. So for that, you have to wet your hands separately. So he wiped his head. He took both his hands from front to back. Then he entered his hand into the container and then he washed his feet. That he wiped his head once. So this is the main point. That the head has to be wiped once only. And we learn one more thing about the rinsing of the mouth and the nose that it can be done three times with the same handful, with one handful and it can also be done with three handfuls. Imagine doing it with one handful. Very difficult, but it's possible. You know, when you have limited water, then and you want to get the reward as well of the sunnah, then you find ways of doing things right. باب وضوء الرجل مع امرأته وفضل وضوء المرأة وضوء الرجل the performing wudu of a man ma'a along with imra'atihi, his wife. وَفَضْلِ وُضُوءِ الْمَرْأَةِ And the leftover water of a woman. Meaning, is it permissible for a man and a woman to perform wudu from the same vessel at the same time? Or is it something that's not allowed? And can a man use a woman's leftover water for wudu? Is that allowed? And vice versa, is that permissible? Yes, it is permissible. Because a person should not think that just because a man touched some water, it has become haram for her. Or that if a woman has touched some water, that water has become haram for the man. No, there's nothing like that. The water is clean. And just because someone has touched it, it has not become impure. As long as no impurity has entered into the water, the water is completely fine. And this also shows that وَفَضْلِ وُضُوءِ المرأة, The leftover water of the woman that the woman can do wudu first and the man can go second. There's no harm in this. Okay. وَتَوَضَّأَ عُمَر And Umar anhu he performed wudu بِالْحَمِيمِ with hot water. مِنْ بَيْتِ From the house of Nasraniyyah, a Christian woman. So what does this show? That wudu can be done with cold water, it can also be done with hot water. As long as the water is clean, there is no harm. And this also shows that a person can perform wudu from Water from non-Muslims' house as well. And also using their vessels even, their containers even. There is no harm in that. Because the water is clean, the vessel is clean, so no harm in that. Right? And we know that Christians, they also eat pork. So their vessels, obviously if they cook in them, they use them, they eat in them, they may have traces of that, but if the vessel has been washed, then it's clean. You understand? If it has been washed, then it's clean. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن نافع عن عبد الله بن عمر أنه قال عبد الله بن عمر he said that كان الرجال that the men والنساء and the women both used to يتوضؤون they would perform wudu في زمان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم جميعا at the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم together meaning both the men and the women would perform wudu together during the time of the Prophet ﷺ. What does this mean? That in public places? In their homes. So what is meant by this is that a man and a woman, they would perform wudu from the same vessel at the same time. 
So for example, a husband and wife, okay, siblings, whatever the relationship may be, but obviously they have to be mahram in order to be able to perform wudu at the same time, not strange men and women. So this was something that was practiced at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. And in fact, not just wudu, but even bathing from the same vessel, from the same bucket, even that is permissible. In fact, we learned that the Prophet ﷺ and Aisha would actually bathe from the same bucket, taking turns and using the water. So it is completely permissible. There is a weak hadith, a weak narration that says that the Prophet ﷺ forbade a man from using a woman's leftover water for wudu and vice versa. But it's a weak narration. It is not authentic. Especially when there are authentic narrations contradicting that, then it will not be given any value. So we see that wudu can be performed. In fact, ghusl can also be performed from the same vessel at the same time even. There is no harm in that. And we learned that once the Prophet ﷺ, he performed wudu from Maymuna anha's leftover water. And she said that I was junub when I used that water. And he said that that water is clean. He performed wudu from the leftover water that she had made ghusl from. So for example, a bucket of water, she used some of it to perform ghusl. But obviously she touched that water with clean hands, but she was in the state of janaba at that time. So the leftover clean water, the Prophet ﷺ used that to do wudu. And she warned him and he said that the water is clean. The water is clean. So what's the main lesson over here? That... If someone has touched the water, that water is not unclean. The water does not become contaminated by the mere touch of someone, regardless of their gender, regardless of their state, okay, and regardless of their faith even. So regardless of religion, gender, and even state, as long as the water is clean, the vessel is clean, no harm whatsoever. That impurity, this cannot be transferred by the mere touch of someone. Like some people believe that if a woman is menstruating, then if she touches a container or she drinks or eats from a particular vessel, then that has become unclean as well. No, there's nothing like that. It is clean. The water is clean. The food is clean. There's no harm in that. Bab, صَبِّ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَضُوءَهُ عَلَى الْمُغْمَى عَلَيْهِ صبي. What does sub mean? To pour. So the pouring of the Prophet ﷺ, what did he pour? Wadu'ahu. This is wadu, his wudu water, meaning the water with which he had performed wudu. So that water he poured it on who? Allah upon al-mughma alayhi. Mughma alayhi is the one on whom is ighma. And what is ighma? Taghtiyah, to cover. So mughma alayhi is the one whose aql, whose mind, whose senses, they are covered with some kind of disease or illness or faintness. So basically he's unconscious. So the Prophet ﷺ poured water on him. But which water? With which he had performed wudu. Why? Why do you think so? For his shifa. For that person's shifa. So that he would regain his consciousness and he would be cured of his illness. And this shows that the water that with which a person has done wudu, the fadl, that is not impure. That is clean. If you remember, if a person has been afflicted with evil eye, and it's quite clear that whose evil eye has afflicted him, then the one whose evil eye has affected him, that person has to take a bath. And that water has to be poured on to the one who has been afflicted with the evil eye. So this shows that the water with which a person has performed wudu or ghusl, as long as it is clean from impurity, it is 
it is tahir. And in fact, it's not just tahir, it's a means of shifa. Because the Prophet ﷺ used that water to cure someone. حدثنا أبو الوليد قال حدثنا شعبة عن محمد بن المكدر قال سمعت جابرا يقول he said جاء رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يعودني جابر رضي الله عنه he said that once the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم came يعودني what does that mean he came to visit me why when I was sick it's from عيادة which is to visit the sick so he came to visit me when I was sick وأنا مريض and I was ill لا أعقل. I couldn't understand. Meaning, I had no idea what was happening. I couldn't understand anything. He was unconscious, basically. And فَتَوَضَّأَ Then the Prophet ﷺ, he performed wudu. وَصَبَّ عَلَيَّ مِنْ وَضُوئِهِ And he poured on me from his wudu water. فَعَقَلْتُ Then I could understand. Meaning, I regained my consciousness. فَقُلْتُ So I said, يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ O Messenger of Allah ﷺ لِمَنِ الْمِرَاسِ for whom is miras? Meaning, who deserves share of inheritance? Because innama yarisuni, indeed, my heir kalala is kalala. Fanazalat ayatul faraid. Then the ayah of faraid was revealed. Faraid meaning those who deserve the shares of inheritance. So that ayah was revealed then. Now there are a number of things that we learn in this hadith. First of all, we see that the water of someone's wudu is clean. It's not just clean, but it's also used for shifa. And also that when a person is sick, uh, they're unconscious, or they have really high fever, then what should be done? Water should be sprinkled on them. Okay, It should be lightly poured on them. Why? So that they can regain their consciousness, and in fact their fever can become less, so that they're relieved of their illness. And this is something that is even practiced today. So we see that this is part of the tib of the Prophet ﷺ, the medicine of the Prophet ﷺ, and also something that is practiced today. So this is something definitely beneficial. Also we learned that in this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ, he went to visit his companion who was ill. So what does this mean? That we should also visit the sick. And sometimes we say that we're busy and, you know, there's too many things going on. But if the Prophet ﷺ could then, we can also. Is there any benefit? Is there any reward? That on the Day of Judgment, Allah will ask a person that I was hungry, I was needy, I needed clothes, you didn't feed me, right? So I was sick. The man or the person will be surprised that oh Allah, how, how could you be hungry? So Allah will say that my servant was like that and you didn't attend to him. You didn't help him. Any other hadith that tells us the reward? 70,000 angels they pray for a person who visits the sick in the morning and in the evening. So we should also develop this habit. So anyway, we see here that the Prophet ﷺ, he visited Jabir and he didn't just go and sit there and ask him what happened, repeat the whole sad story again. No, he actually helped him. He helped him get better. He served him. And this is also something that we should do. When we typically go to visit the sick, we in fact become a burden on the sick person. That they have to serve us. Strange. It's completely opposite. But when a person goes to visit the sick, then he has to serve the sick person. 
right? Not just sit there, but bring them something to eat or give them their medication or whatever, fix their blanket or get them a glass of water, whatever we can do, but help them. Then also one thing that typically people do is that they give them a list of things to do. You know, you should try this and you should try that and you should do this and you should do that. And as if they're great doctors or they tell them things to do, but they don't tell them how to do it exactly. The sick person needs dua, he needs words of comfort, that only if a person is seriously ill, then we think about visiting them in the hospital. But if they are not seriously ill, then we think, oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. But always remember the reward. 70,000 angels pray for a person. I mean, that's a big deal. So let's make this our habit, inshallah. Okay, and we also see over here that Jabir um, as soon as he regained consciousness, what was his question? About inheritance, about his heirs. Because he was serious, right? He, he accepted the reality of death, right? That I am sick, I could die, I don't have any children, I don't have my parents, where does my property go? Who inherits from me? Because I only have siblings, that is the kalala. So he knew that his case was different. So as soon as he regained consciousness, he asked the Prophet ﷺ about his issue. And if a person is sick and they start talking about such things and we say, oh, please don't worry too much. You'll be fine. Don't become so serious. You know, you're getting a little depressed. Let's go out to eat. This is what we do. We think that the person is getting a little too sad. But this is a reality. And we see that these matters, you know, a person will be questioned about on the Day of Judgment. This is his responsibility. So he should be concerned about it, especially when death approaches him. And it's not necessary that when a person is sick, he will definitely die, but it's a sign of death, right? باب الغسل الوضوئي في المخضب والقدح والخشب والحجارة الغسل والوضوئي في المخضب والقدح والخشب والحجارة That performing ghusl and performing wudu in what? In a mikhdab. Mikhdab is a container. It could be big, it could be small. You can say it's something like a tub, like we used today. And it can be used by a person to sit in and bathe in. It can also be used for washing clothes. And you know that they are of different sizes. Okay? Ranging from very, very small to huge tubs in which a person can. Even, you know, you have those hot tubs in which multiple people can sit. So the size is different. It could be small. It can also be very big. This is what a mikhtab is. So can a person perform wudu from a mikhtab? Yes, he can. Walqadah. Qadah is a drinking bowl. So a cup of water or a glass of water or something that you use in the kitchen, can you do wudu from that? Or should it only be used for eating? Wudu can also be performed with it. So a bowl from which you drink, a cup from which you drink, you can also perform wudu with it. There's no harm in that. Khashab. Khashab is a container that is made of wood. So can you do wudu with that? Yes, you can. Why is this a problem? Why would a person have this doubt that can you do wudu from a wooden container or not? Can you think of something? Yes. That a bowl that is made of wood, if you keep some food in it, especially if it's liquid, then it will absorb some of it. Like they say that you have to season certain cooking vessels. So it does have some smell of the food or some 
color of the food or the traces of the food, even the flavor. Like I remember that in our house always there were some dishes, some pots that were exclusively for cooking desserts and some exclusively for cooking, you know, savory dishes. Why? Because in the flavor and the smell, it affects the end product. So from such a vessel, can you do wudu? Yes, you can. Even if it smells like garlic or whatever, yes, it doesn't matter. And hijara is a vessel that is made of stone, a container that is made of stone. You know, you have that mortar and pestle in which you traditionally grind uh, herbs and spices and all that. So it's made of stone. Can you do wudu from that? If that's the only option that you have? Yes, you can. Even if it has the aroma, the, the smell of food, no harm. So you can do ghusl from it and you can even do wudu from it. That it shows us how important wudu is. That even if you don't have a separate container for keeping wudu water and the only option you have is a dish in which you cooked food, even that is something that you have to do wudu from. Even in that case you have to do wudu. Haddathana Abdullah ibn Munir Samia Abdullah ibn Bakrin Qala haddathana Humaydun an Anasin Qala hadrati salah the time of salah came in. Faqama, so he stood up. Who? Man kana, whoever was, qareeb ad-dar, close to the house, ila ahli, to his family. Meaning, whoever's house was nearby, he went to his family. Why? To perform wudu at his house. Wa baqiya qawmun, and some people remained. Why did they remain? Because their houses were far. The time of salah came in, everybody had to do wudu, so those people whose houses were nearby, they want to do wudu. And those whose houses were far, they did not go. فَأُدِيَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ So it was brought to the Prophet ﷺ. What was brought? بِمِخْضَبٍ A mikhdab, A container. مِنْ حِجَارَةٍ Of hijara. It was made of stone. So mikhdab, like I mentioned to you earlier, it's a tub. Okay, It could be small, it can also be big. And it shows that it can be made of different materials even. This one in particular was made of stone. And fihima'un in it was water. But how big was it? Or rather how small was it? فَصَهُرَ الْمِخْضَبُ It was so small, أَيَّبُسُطَ فِيهِ كَفَّهُ That even his hand could spread out in it easily. Meaning it was so small that he couldn't even fit his hand easily. It was that small. فَتَوَبَّأَ الْقَوْمُ كُلُّهُمْ So all of the people performed wudu from it. قُلْنَا we said, Kam kuntum? How many were you? Qala thamanina wa ziyada. Eighty or more. This was a miracle, right? That the Prophet ﷺ put his hand into that bowl of water that was so small that his hand barely fit inside it. And the water increased so much so that all of those eighty plus people performed wudu from it. Amazing. حدثنا محمد بن العلاء قال حدثنا أبو أسامة عن بريد عن أبي بردة عن أبي موسى أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم دعا he called for he asked for بقدح with a قدح فيه ماء in it was water what is قدح which one a drinking bowl right a tumbler a cup okay so he asked for a qadah in which was water, فَغَسَلَ يَدَيْهِ وَوَجَهُ فِيهِ وَمَجَّ فِيهِ He washed his hands, his face, and he also rinsed his mouth. حَدَّثَنَا أَحْمَدُ بْنُ يُونُسْ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ الْعَزِيزُ بْنُ أَبِي سَلَمَةِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَمْرُ بْنُ يَحْيَى عَنْ أَبِيهِ عَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ زَيْدٍ قَالَ أَتَى رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ The Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم came 
فَأَخْرَجْنَا لَهُ So we brought out for him مَاءً some water فِي تَوْرٍ In a tawr. What is a tawr? Huh? What kind of a vessel is it? Hmm? Okay, but this one in particular was made of brass because min sufrin. So sufr is brass. So the color, the material we know. But what kind? What What's the shape? It's broad. Okay, it's very shallow. You know like you have your cake pans? Okay? Imagine one that is really wide. Okay, really big. So it's not very, very shallow. It's not a cookie sheet. Okay? It's a cake pan. So it is, I mean, shallow. And it's also wide. You understand? So this is what a tawr is. So he asked for a tawr. And in many places people, you know, they make dough in it. It's used for making dough. For making the dough actually. Not for rolling, but kneading. Kneading the dough. فِتَوْرٍ مِنْ صُفْرٍ فَتَوَضَّعَ So imagine they took out brass bowl out for him. So he performed wudu from it. فَغَسَلَ وَجْهَهُ ثَلَاثًا And he washed his face three times وَيَدَيْهِ مَرَّتَيْنِ مَرَّتَيْنِ And his hands twice. وَمَسَحَ بِرَأْسِهِ فَأَقْبَلَ بِهِ وَأَدْبَرَ وَغَسَلَ رِجْلَيْهِ And you know, a vessel that is made of brass, I mean it's not an ordinary vessel. This shows that they took out a special container for him. Why? Because he was a guest and he was the Prophet of Allah. So the very best to serve him with. حدثنا أبو اليمان قال أخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري قال أخبرني عبيد الله ابن عبد الله ابن عتبة أن عائشة that عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت she said لما سقل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم واشتد به وجعه لما when سقل it became heavy meaning it became unbearable for who? For the Prophet ﷺ, وَاشْتَدَّ بِهِ And it became intense. What became heavy, unbearable, very difficult, very intense? وَجْعُهُ His illness. إِسْتَأْذَنَ He asked permission, أَزْوَاجَهُ From his wives, في Concerning on that يُمَرَّضَ في بيتي, That he is nursed, he is taken care of in my house. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he had distributed his time between his wives. So, a person has to be just. When a man has multiple wives, he has to be very, very just between his wives. So, even when he is sick, he still has to be just. But because the Prophet ﷺ, he was very sick, his sickness became very intense and unbearable, it wasn't possible for him to shift every day from one house to the other. You know, when you're sick, you don't even go out of your house. So, imagine he had to change his bed every day, this was getting very difficult for him. So he asked the permission from his wives that may I stay in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha? فَأَذِنَّ لَهُ So they all gave him permission. فَخَرَجَ So the Prophet ﷺ came out. فَخَرَجَ النَّبِيُّ From the house of one of his wives to the house of Aisha radiallahu anha. بَيْنَ رَجُلَيْنِ Between two men. Why? For support. Because he wasn't able to walk by himself. تَخُطُّ رِجْلَاهُ both his feet were dragging. Why? Because he found it difficult to walk even. تَخُطُّ رِجْلَاهُ فِي الْأَرْضِ In the earth. بَيْنَ عَبَّاسٍ Between Abbas وَرَجُلٍ آخر And another man. Aisha radiallahu is narrating this. And she did not mention who that other man was. قَالَ عُبَيْدُ اللَّهِ عُبَيْدُ اللَّهِ said فَأَخْبَرْتُ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بْنُ عَبَّاسِ I asked Abdullah ibn Abbas. فَقَالَ So he said أَتَدْرِي Do you know? Manir Rajul? Who was that man? 
So Ubaidullah said that I informed Abdullah ibn Abbas about what Aisha radiallahu told me. So he asked me, do you know who that other man was? Man rajulul akhar? Qultu la. I said no. Qalahu Ali. He said it was Ali radiallahu anhu. And then back to the hadith. وَكَانَتْ عَائِشَةُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا She would say, تُحَدِّثُ She would narrate that أَنَّ نَبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم قَالَ He said, بَعْدَمَا دَخَلَ بَيْتَهُ After he entered his house وَاشْتَدَّ وَجْعُهُ And his pain became, his illness became very intense. When he entered the house, he said, هَرِيقُ عَلَيَّ Pour on me. مِنْ سَبْعِ قِرَبٍ Seven قِرَب قِرَب Leather bags. So pour on me seven leather bags. Lam tuhlal. It has not been opened. What has not been opened? Aukiyatuhunna. Their threads. Okay. So the thread meaning the tie at the mouth of the leather bag, that tie, that thread has not been opened. What does it mean? That it's full to the top. Nothing of it has been used. No water of it has been taken out. So seven full leather bags of water, pour them on me. لعلي, so that I may أَعْهَدُ إِلَى الناس. I may advise the people. I may instruct the people. I want some energy. Pour some water on me so I can regain some strength, some freshness, so I can go and advise the people. وَأُجْلِسَ and he was made to sit fi mikhdabin in a mikhdab in a tub lihafsa that belonged to Hafsa radhiyallahu anha zawj an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wasallam thumma then tafiqna we began nasubbu we were pouring alayhi upon him tilka that meaning we poured we began pouring on him seven bags seven leather bags full of water hatta until tafiqa he began yushiru he was Indicating Ilayna to us an that qad in fact faaltunna you have done meaning enough. So we continued to pour on him until he indicated to us that it was enough. Summa kharaja ilanas and then he went out to the people. Now this incident, as it's clear, it happened closer to the time of the death of the Prophet ﷺ. And we know that the Prophet ﷺ, when he suffered any illness, when he suffered a fever, it was the twice, it was twice as intense as compared to the fever that ordinary men have. So the fever that he experienced was double in intensity and the maradul maut that he experienced was also very, very intense. Now just imagine what his pain tolerance must have been. Just imagine. And that shows how much sabr he must have. That shows how much determination he must have had. How much courage he had. Because typically when people have fever, they think it's a big deal. The body is becoming slightly warm and they think, Oh, I have a fever, I need to go lie down in bed, I don't need to do anything now, I'm the most sick person in the world. But the Prophet ﷺ in that sickness, double the intensity of a typical fever that people experience. Imagine in that fever, he is saying that I need to go talk to the people. I need to go teach the people. And on the smallest of things, we want to excuse ourselves from learning, from our work, from whatever that we have to do. He did not want the water to be poured on him so that he could have a comfortable sleep. No, he wanted the water to be poured on him so that he could regain some consciousness, he could become fresh so that he could go and talk to the people. This is a kind of sabr determination 
that we need to have. Only then can we accomplish something in our lives. I remember as kids, my parents were so strict that we could not stay home, you know, because just because we had a sore throat or just because we had a runny nose or just because we were out the whole day, the day before and we were tired. No, if only if it was something very, very serious, then we could stay at home. I remember once I fell in school and I hurt my arm and went to the doctor's office and they thought that maybe my I had a fracture. So they sent me to the hospital to get an x-ray done and everything. And after the whole thing, alhamdulillah, my arm was not fractured. It was only really badly sprained. So I had a cast or something over my arm. And my mom said, okay, back to school. Because it was only 11.30 or something by then. There were still a couple of hours for the day to end. So then back to school. And I had to go back to school in that state. And I had to write a test. And I feel that it's because of this that now, alhamdulillah, regardless of what's happening, what has to be done, has to be done. Because children, they just want an excuse, right? To stay home. They just want an excuse so that they don't have to do their homework. They don't have to sit for their test. They don't have to sit for their exam. And if we tell them, oh yeah, you're so unwell. Oh my God, your head is so hot. You really have bad fever. Oh my God, your chest is so this and this. Then the children feel even more sick. If you're feeling some pain and other people are saying, oh yeah, you must be in a lot of pain. Then you feel that pain. Then you feel that you are sick. But if you feel that, yeah, yeah, I am sick. I have this pain, but yeah, we'll deal with it. I have to deal with it. I have to live with it. Then you get the courage as well. You get that determination as well. So this is something that is very, very important for us. You know, we mothers especially, we need to be strong, strong hearted, and we need to make our children strong as well. Because as Muslims, we live very difficult lives, very tough lives. What is expected of us is a lot. We need to strive a lot. So we should learn from the life of the Prophet ﷺ that despite his sickness, look at how concerned he was about his obligations, about the rights of other people. First of all, we see that when he wanted to stay in the house of one wife, he didn't just stay there and tell the other wives, deal with it, I'm sick. No, he asked their permission. May I? May I? So this shows that even when a husband is sick, he still has to be just with his wives. Even when he is sick. You know, yes, when he's busy, that is something that is not as important. But when he's sick, even then he has to be just. So when he's busy, still he has to be just. And he has to take the permission of the rest of his wives. So, the Prophet ﷺ took the permission and this shows the great status of Aisha anha that how he preferred her house. And it also shows the greatness of his other wives that they allowed him. They preferred his comfort over their right, okay, over their love for him or their wanting him. Generally when, uh, for a lot of us when we're sick, it's uh, I was saying that it's something to think about for all of us that in a state of sickness, we generally become uh, very selfish, mm-hmm. right? And so we should consider it, um, be considerate towards other people uh, as well and not just think about ourselves during that time. Yes, very true. That we become selfish. We think that... Uh, you know, we... you want people to attend to you and it's all about you, you, you because yeah. you're not feeling well. But... Yeah. but there are other people who are alive as well, who have certain rights as well. That sometimes it happens that if a person is unwell, uh, and we come to visit them, we don't just 
you know, feel bad ourselves, we make them feel bad as well by constantly talking about their illness or constantly reminding them of it or mentioning it or saying how terrible it must be, how difficult it must be. We make it even more difficult for them. We bring them down. We need to be strong ourselves and we need to be a support for other people as well. That we start showing pity on ourselves or on other people. When you start feeling sorry for another person, then he starts feeling sorry for himself as well. This sister, she came to her and said, when you gonna die? When the doc- doctor said you will be die? And that sister, she really, after that, she became really de- depressed and she died after a few months. Yeah, SubhanAllah, exactly. we shouldn't talk to like that to the sick person. Yeah, asking things like, so how long has the doctor said you? How much time has the doctor given? Asking about such things. I mean, what benefit is it going to bring them? What benefit? Nothing at all. It affects a person, definitely. Then we also see in this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ, when he came into the house, he was brought by two people to help him. And one of them was Ali anhu. But Aisha anha did not mention his name. You think she didn't remember? Obviously she must have remembered because he was a relative. Not just a close companion, but also a relative. But she did not mention his name. Why? It's because Aisha anha and Ali anhu were not exactly on good terms. But notice, she just didn't mention his name. That's it. She didn't say anything negative. Nothing at all. Why were they not on good terms? There are a couple of reasons that the scholars have given. Firstly, it is said that at the incident of Ifq, because the Prophet ﷺ was so distressed about what had happened, who advised him that, you know, just divorce Aisha, because you have so many other wives, you were in this distress, so it's okay, it's not a big deal. Not because he did not like Aisha anha but because he didn't want to see the Prophet ﷺ in that distress. But Aisha got offended. She didn't like that at all, right? She was human. So she wasn't able to overcome that for a very long time. And there were some problems that arose after the death of the Prophet ﷺ as well. But we see that despite that, there was respect for one another. And this is something that's very important. It's possible that you are offended because of what somebody has done, a relative has done, or they have said in the past. And no matter how much you try, you cannot get that feeling out of your heart because you have been hurt. You cannot clean your heart. But still, you have to control your tongue. Because what's in the heart, inshallah, Allah will forgive as long as we don't act upon it, as long as we don't bring it out. It's interesting. Abu Bakr when he said at this occasion, that I'm never going to spend on mistah anymore, Allah revealed verses. That those who have wealth, they should not refrain from spending on the family, especially when they're muhajir and they're needy, and they've been struggling in the way of Allah. But when it comes to Aisha, nothing was said about cleaning your heart, or, because that's something beyond your ability at times. Right? No matter how much you try, it gets difficult. But we see that it wasn't made into a big issue. Don't make it into a big issue. Either speak good or keep silent. You may have a lot of negative things to say, but don't say them. Just stay silent. Don't talk about it. You don't want to mention that person's name? Don't mention. But don't say anything negative. And we see here that the Prophet ﷺ, he was made to sit in a mikhtab. And this shows that this mikhtab was big. Earlier, we learned that the mikhtab was very small and this one was very big. So he sat in it and water was poured on him. So that he would cool down, he could get refreshed, and then he went and addressed the people. Bab al-wudu'i min al-tawr. Performing wudu from a tawr. What is a tawr? A small 
part. It's also said that a tawr is a vessel that is small, but it's also open mouth, meaning it's the mouth is open. Okay, it's wide. Why would this be a concern? Meaning, why can't you perform wudu from a tawr? What's the big deal? Hmm? Something might fall in it, right? The sprinkles of water might fall back into it, but we learned that that water is clean anyway. So even if it does fall back into it, there's no harm. حدثنا خالد بن مخلد قال حدثنا سليمان قال حدثني عمرو بن يحيى عن أبيه قال كان عمي He said that my uncle, he used to يكثر من الوضوء He used to do كثرة in wudu, meaning he used to use a lot of water in wudu. Why? Why do you think so? To make sure that he was performing wudu thoroughly, completely. But is it practical? No, it's not practical. So this is why Qala he said, Li Abdullah ibn Zayd, he said to Abdullah ibn Zayd, Akhbirni, please tell me, Kaifa ra'ayta nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ayatawadda'u? How did you see the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam performing wudu? Fada'a bi tawri mimma. So he asked for a tawr of water. Fakafa'a ala yadayhi. So he poured some water onto his hands. Fagasalahuma, he washed both of them. Salatha mirarin, three times. Summa adukhala yadahu fit tawr. Then he entered his hand into the tawr. Famadmada, was tensara. Salatha maratin, min gharfatin wahida. One handful rinsed his mouth and also his nose. Summa adukhala yadahu. Fagutarafa biha. Fagasala wajahu. Salatha marat. He entered the hand, scooped out some water, and then Washed his face three times. ثم غسل يديه إلى المرفقين مرتين مرتين. Washed his arms twice. ثم أخذ بيده ماء. Then he took some water in his hand. فمسح رأسه. And then he wiped his head. Now this does not mean that you have to scoop water in your hand in order to wipe the head. Because if you would do that, then you would end up washing your hair. Okay. The point is to wet the hands. فأدبر بيديه وأقبل. Back and front. ثم غسل رجليه then he washed his feet فقال then he said هكذا رأيت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يتوضأ this is how I saw him performing wudu so we see that he performed wudu from itaur so what's the conclusion then learning about different kinds of vessels different sizes different shapes different usages what does it show that wudu can be performed from any kind of vessel basically made from whatever material whether some metal or wood or stone or clay whether it's used for food or for bathing or for storing water, whatever it may be, wudu can be performed from it. As long as the container is clean and the water is clean. You should do it thoroughly and properly. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا حماد عن ثابت عن أنس أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم دعا بإناء مما The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he asked for a container of water. فأتي بقدح So a qadah was brought to him. What is qadah? Drinking bowl. It was brought to him and this was rahrah. Rahrah is wide, broad, shallow. So you can think of it as a bowl. Not a cup, but as a bowl, like a cereal bowl. So it was rahrah. Fihi shay'u mimma. In it was some water. فَوَضَعَ أَصَابِعَهُ فِيهِ Then he placed his fingers in it. قَالَ أَنَسٌ أَنَسَتْ فَجَعَلْتُ So I was there. أَنظُرُ I was looking إِلَى الْمَاءِ To the water. يَنْبُعُ It was... Yambu'u, it was bursting out, or was bubbling out rather. Mimbaini asabi'ihi, from between his fingers. The water was bubbling out from between his fingers. Qala anasun, anasad, fahazartu. So I estimated, man tawadda'a ma bayna sabi'ina ila thamanin. That those who performed wudu from that water were somewhere between 70 to 80. In the other narration, 80 plus. So it was estimation. Bab al-wudu'i bil-mud. Performing wudu from a mud. Now we're talking about the quantity of water. Mud is a measure 
and it's a little over a liter. It's a little over a liter, somewhere between a liter and a third to two liters. So you're talking about a little over two small bottles of water. Okay? Two small bottles of water that we typically drink from. So a little over that. Can you think about doing wudu from two bottles of water? Yeah? You think it's possible? Yes, it is. One, even that is possible. So doing wudu with a mud of water. Meaning the average amount of water that should be used for wudu is this much. حدثنا أبو نعيم قال حدثنا مسعر قال حدثني ابن جبر قال سمعت أنسا يقول he said كان نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يغسل he would do غسل أو كان يغتسل يغسل ويغتسل بالصاع when he would perform غسل he would do it with صاع meaning صاع is a different measure إلى خمسة أمداد up to five mud ويتوضأ بالمد and he would perform wudu with a mud of water. So this shows that the average amount of water used for doing wudu is one mud. And the average amount of water used for ghusl is how much? Sar. Sar is four mud. So somewhere between four to five mud of water. So how much is that? Hmm? Around five, six, seven, between five and seven you could say. That much water. Four is ghusl. So how many water bottles is that? About... 12 to 15. So small bottles, you can say somewhere between 12 to 15. How many do you have in a in a typical case? Huh? 24. Can you imagine doing wudu with half of that water? I mean, performing ghusl with half of that water. It's possible. You know, when we shower, we just turn the shower on and if we take a 10-minute shower, like, oh, only 10 minutes today. That was quick. So limit the amount of time that you spend in the shower. Be quick. First of all, it's a waste of time. When you can do certain things quickly, then do them quickly so that you can spend your time doing other more important things. And secondly, it's a waste of water as well. So spend less time in the shower. This is something very, very important. I remember we were in um, Karachi and it's very hot there. There was a friend of mine who had come from UK to do the course over there. And it gets very hot, very humid, and your skin becomes very sticky throughout the day. It's very humid over there. And I remember that she used to shower three times a day. And she used to take five-minute showers, five-minute showers. She would say one minute, you know, get undressed, one minute, pour water on, two minutes, pour water on, okay? And then another minute to dress up and wipe, you know, clean the washroom and out. Five minutes, literally. And she would do it throughout the summer. Three showers a day she would do, and she would never smell. So we think, oh, shower, oh, I have to shower. Okay, now plan, what time, when, what clothes do I wear, what shampoo do I use? Yeah, which body wash, what cream, what perfume. And we spend so much time in deciding these things that we don't have time to think about other important things or to do other important things. So when you use less water, you will definitely use less time. And when you will use less time, then you will definitely use less water. So it's very important that we develop this habit. So okay, inshallah we'll conclude here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayka. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.